Hello, everyone. Caitlin Cunningham here, and welcome to KC's Conversations. Today, we are going to have some value brought to our lives by Coach Lauren Kelly. She is the Assistant Director of Sports Performance at Wake Forest, where her direct responsibilities fall with the women's soccer, track and field, and cross-country programs. While we uncover her story, she prompts us to do more with less and to pick your battles. You must hear her insights from the book that has positively shaped her, and I bet you will never guess what she took away from her job as a security guard to use as a strength and conditioning coach. We can't waste any more time. We just need you to go listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Casey's Conversations. We are in season two. I never thought this would happen, so this is awesome. Today, I am honored to be joined by Coach Lauren Kelly. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm sitting up in... I don't even what you know what you call this, a presidential suite of the football stadium looking over the football field. There's some lacrosse players out there getting in a little extra work, which is pretty cool to see. And uh, Is it sunny I can't out complain. there? You know, it's a little overcast. <laughs> it kind of, my eyes are squinty. It's a little bright, but like that awkward brightness, you know? How about Perfect Ohio in, uh, weather. Yeah, how about North Carolina? You guys got some sun down there? What's the weather like? No, absolutely no. not. Today is miserable. Mm. And it's definitely yeah. affected. Like, everybody walked into work today like, man, it's raining. You can just feel it. The air is not great today because of this rain and thunderstorms. Yeah. Not great. Well, but we're here. So I'm happy about we're that. We're here. And we're both happy. So I feel like, you know, the weather is not impacting either one of our uh, our moods, nah. which is fantastic. Nah. Well, I like to kick off every episode and take a moment to express what you're grateful for. So what do you got for us today, Coach? You know, I'm grateful for the stress. I have a lot of projects on my plate right now, a lot of stress, and I'm grateful because that means someone believes in me to to give me all these tasks. Um, I'm grateful even for the home life stress. Um, I bought a house, you know, lots of stress with that. So I'm grateful (laughs) for all of that because it means I'm in a good place, you know, Without, uh, without stress, you don't grow. Amen to that. Growth is uncomfortable. So if it's not uncomfortable right now, then you're probably not growing. So For sure. Buying a house. I have done that before. Is this your first time? It is not. It's my second. It's my first one here in Winston. I bought one when I was in Cincinnati, but this one's much nicer. Well, you're ahead of me. You've done it twice now. Do you have any um, pieces of advice for anyone who is going to buy a home or is maybe doing it for a second or a third time since you've done it now you know a couple times like any advice for the people out there your first home should never be a fixer-upper ever (laughs) okay that's good (laughs) especially if you plan to live in it no um if uh if someone says oh you know the water heater's just a little old it'll be fine no it's not it will bust in two months right after your warranty expires from the home inspector (laughs) <laughs> and ultimately when every everything that could go wrong you know will um yeah. moved into the house in november uh slowly transitioned from my apartment and everything was great then a heavy rain came in january and i my roof leaked i was like what 
this was not in the home inspection report. Um, but also, you know, uh, probably the best piece of advice is if you can't see yourself living there in five years, don't buy it. Mm, I like that. Like if if, if um, you can't see yourself having a partner or a dog or a cat or if you're a social person parties or whomever if you can't see yourself doing that in that house probably don't buy it no i mean the only reason why i bought this house was for my dog he needed a yard and he told me that so he controls everything that that melts my heart because i have a dog and unfortunately i do not have a yard i live in a duplex which is great right like there's a little bit more space for okay for my guy but Still not enough. He's a lab pit bull mix, one and a half, okay. almost two. A lot of energy, which I'm sure that obviously your dog enjoys being out and being able to move around. And so poor Carter, you know, it's on a leash. We have to go for a walk, which also means then mom, a.k.a. me, has to be in the mood or just suck it up and go for a walk. And that doesn't always go over so well. So Well, uh, Walter... Walter, um, he's an odd one. <laughs> kind of, he's very odd. He, uh, he's a bit of a baby. Uh. Um, so when I let him out to go outside, he just goes down the stairs and goes to the grass right next to the stairs and comes right back in. Uh. If I'm out of his sight, all panic ensues. Hmm. And uh, he prefers to sleep under the covers. So does Carter. So I think Walter and <laughs> Carter would be best friends. Walter if I is, leave, is great. It's over. Like, but if I leave to go to work, he's like, "Fine, leave me on the couch all day. That's fine. Leave me in a brewery like I did last night just to go outside for one moment. Mm-mm. Chaotic." Does he does he bark and like go crazy or no. what's just? <laughs> you ever seen like concerned dog faces? Like they're just so concerned. <laughs> yes. He just has this look of just concern and betrayal and sadness, and his ears go back, and he just stares at the last place he saw you and so like you come oh. right back in and he's still there and it breaks my heart but I love him because he is a, he is a good dog we went to puppy class together and we learned a lot about ourselves in puppy class um, I love that he's the best part of my day coming home too mm-hmm. um, along with uh, his best friend Marnie and uh, her owner my partner um, they love each other every day that and I love playing outside in my big yard that I have with them. And he runs and he plays when he's with, outside with somebody else, not by himself. No. Yeah. Dogs are the best. They really are. And mm-hmm. I even said this on the last episode. There's a lot of carryover amongst episodes here, which is fantastic. Dogs can teach you so much about life. They're, everything yeah. that they do is just so great. There's really no no negative things that come from a dog. Unless the dog is destructive then that's we're having a different story then yeah but like the unconditional love of a dog i could have the worst day in the world Mm -hmm. and just nothing goes right or like you're saying you're grateful for you know the stress and all the things that people need you and want you to do but you go home and the dog does not care nope just happy to see you happy i mean i yelled at carter yesterday because (laughs) I got a check in the mail, and thank God I had already put it in the bank via, you know, you can now take yep. pictures. This technology nowadays is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was torn into shreds, and he has never, never done this before. Taken anything mm-hmm. of mine, chewed it, mm-hmm. almost two years of his life, 
and I've had him since he was five weeks old. Never done it. But for whatever reason, yesterday he was upset with me, and he decided that it was going to be my check that was going to take the brunt of this. And so I yelled at him, which I know you're probably not supposed to do. All the dog people out there are going to shame me because I yelled at my dog. And who knows when he chewed it up. It could have been 9 o'clock in the morning for all I know. Of course. Yep. But he did. He cowered and he laid on top of the couch because I let Carter do whatever he wants. He runs my household and I really don't care what people say. Um, Mm -hmm. But five minutes later, he was licking my face and it was like he didn't care that I had just scolded him. Nope. But (laughs) and he loved me the rest of the night. He cuddled, you know. I put him on TikTok, and now he's, like, TikTok famous. He's got 600 views on his little video, and I didn't... There's nothing to it. But he's... I guess he's cute, so... TikTok famous dogs. But, of course, after, after you yelled at him, like, you felt bad, because he sulked. I, I did. And you feel like a horrible mom. I did. But you're not. You know, you have to no. have to be a little firm sometimes, and just know that I, you love him, and he I loves you. I guess it kind of prepares you for a having a child or maybe coaching because i mean sometimes you got to yell at kids right and oh just, god yeah yeah but it's gotta be hard on them but then you can't like go and apologize a million times because you feel bad because <laughs> oh, yeah. the kid is now upset like exactly not, we got to move on with our lives so we got things to accomplish for sure well okay we completely went off on a tangent about dogs but i know everyone listening probably has seen both of our social medias and i'm sure there's many pictures of walter and walter always carter on mine so fantastic another gratitude right like dogs we're grateful for dogs there it is i'm so grateful for my dog (laughs) okay so let's tell the listeners where you're at uh who you work with anything else special about your current position and then we'll kind of dive in and uncover to how you got to where you are today uh currently i'm the assistant director of sports performance at wake forest university working primarily with women's soccer, um, men's and women's track and field, and women's cross country. Uh, it's actually not that bad. I do like my cross country and track kids. Um, I, I learned a lot about track at my previous job, so you know, it's just kind of like, okay, I, I get it now. I get everything. Your little isms, totally understand, <laughs> even though I played soccer. So I was like, I more relate to the soccer girls, but I understand you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been here for about 18 months. Got here in September of 2020, so it was a COVID hire, which was uh, rare, but came here and haven't looked back. I love it. Very good. You are not from North Carolina originally, are you? No, but I am from the South. Um, I was born and raised in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, okay. Um, for those of you who don't know where that is, if I'm speaking to the right generation, um, hide your kid, hide your wives. <laughs> that <laughs> you can tell <laughs> I know <laughs> that, that's that's, my, that's not my part of town, but that's my town where it happened. <laughs> I, I, I was living in the town when that happened, but yes, I usually like to say that. And then, of course, for the people who don't know, I'll be like NASA. We have NASA uh, Space Camp, Huntsville, Alabama. You can go to Space Camp in Alabama. Did um, you ever take no. part in Space Camp? Okay, you were only a nerd if you did that. Okay. Not when you nerds are not bad. No. We're not talking <laughs> no, like you, about nerds. No. no. You just, like, in... You didn't go if you were, like, from Alabama. Like, you could go to the space camps in Florida or California, but you didn't go to the one in Alabama. It was really weird. Okay. Like, some of the people that did it, my friends, they were like, yeah, it just was lame because I didn't get the experience of, like, going away from home and type stuff when you were a kid. 
Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Like camp, you're going to go to a camp or a summer camp or do something, you're going to go a little bit further away from home than just real close. Okay, that makes sense. So, you grew up in Alabama. You've obviously played soccer. Have you played soccer your entire life, or were there other sports kind of involved in your upbringing? So, I I was kind of involved in just about everything, Um, but soccer was like the first one I was involved in, kind of the one that stuck. Um, Little fun fact, uh, it's about seventh grade. It just was that period of, in my life, you know, teenage angst, preteen angst. Um, I just didn't find soccer fun anymore. It just wasn't fun. I was like, I, I don't want to do it. Like, I hate it. So I decided to quit. And I was like, you know, I'm going to play basketball. You know, I played basketball a lot. I was like, I just want to focus on high school basketball. That's fun for me. Uh-huh. And then when I got to high school, basketball season was over. And soccer tryouts were done and over in the spring. Because in Alabama, we played high school soccer in the spring. And uh, the JV mom sponsor, <laughs> just one of the kids parents came over to my house because soccer community I still know all of them they were like hey uh we don't have a goalkeeper for the JV team would you be interested in just just filling in you know just whatever and I was like sure it'll keep me in shape for basketball well keep it on track you know there was only one keeper for the JV or varsity team one keeper for the JV team and uh varsity ends up going all the way to the state tournament and they're like we need a backup so I pop in there just as practice for a backup just in case anything goes wrong and mm-hmm. that year they end up winning state so I was like this is fun <laughs> winning is fun <laughs> so I was like I want to do this again so I got back into soccer uh played it throughout high school um unfortunately I tore my ACL playing basketball my sophomore year uh, so that was that was fun, but it was it was a learning opportunity, um, mm-hmm. and then you know just was like you know I think I want to play soccer in college. You know I, I think this is what I want to do. Um, I was a little late to the recruiting game, so you know when you're starting the summer before your senior year, it's a little difficult. Mm-hmm. But um, there was this one school that just kept showing up to my games, just chatting with me. Super nice guy, and it was from the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going there. I'm not staying in my hometown. There's no way. There's no way. So I, I tried all these other places that I ended up not getting it. And, you know, I had decided I'm just going to go to Auburn. I'm going to go to Auburn. I'm going to be an engineer, just like my dad was. And I'll just play intramural soccer. That's fine. I got into Auburn, got an academic scholarship to Auburn. No problem. Well, he was like, can you just come stop by the office? Just stop by the office, have a conversation with me. So I did. And it was a huge turning point in my life in athletics and really got me to where I am today. He said, listen, you can go to Auburn, you can play intramurals. And when you don't like it because you're a competitive person, when you miss the competitive atmosphere and winning and being part of something bigger, you're going to call me and you're going to say, hey, can I come play for you? And I'm going to say no. But you can come here. You can play for a year. And if you don't like it, you can still go to Auburn. And I was like, well, we put it that way. Okay. So <laughs> ended up being, I guess, what we call a hometown hero. And I played for two years at the University of Alabama Huntsville. Coaching change happened. And I was like, you know, this new coach isn't for me. Let me put – there wasn't a transfer portal back then. So I was just like, I want to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, where I landed at Murray State. Oh. Um and uh, Murray State, for those of you who don't know where it is, but you might now because of March Madness, and they got pretty far. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it is west of western Kentucky. So yeah. way even west. So if you, th- I always describe it like if you think of the state of Kentucky and like as you go west, it gets smaller and smaller. Like we're at the ti- teeny tiniest end. It is so <laughs> small. It took four minutes to get from one end of town to the other. It uh. was maybe like three stoplights. Super small, but I was like, this is where I want to be. This is good for me. And it was actually the first time I was introduced to a collegiate strength coach. I had no idea that was a job that someone at a athletic department got paid to like help people with weights. Mm-hmm. I had just been, you know, at private sectors, like D1 training that was in my hometown. So I was like, okay, this is fun, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And so after I was done with my uh, eligibility there, I was like, can I intern with you? And he was like, sure. Intern with the strength coach there. And the first day of my internship, I needed it for my um, degree as well. Eight hours coaching. And there was only one strength coach for all the Olympic teams. So I was on the floor all day. And after eight hours, my feet hurt so bad. And like playing soccer, your feet hurt. But like this was a different kind of hurt. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is what I want to do. This is fun. This is so much fun. And of course, there were some bumps along the way, knowing, you know, your coaching eye, your space, how you need to be in the weight room, getting yelled at. You know, those are the, <laughs> the things that happen. But, you know, towards the end of my internship that spring semester, he was like, I think you should do one in the summer go to a different school, go do one in the summer. Uh And so I ended up applying to an internship at Mizzou. So I work at Mizzou for the summer. I got it. Um, Never been to Como, Columbia, Missouri. Um, And it was eye-opening, you know, just going to a Power 5 institution that had so much stuff. I remember Uh looking around and I'm like, I've never even seen these type of foam rollers before. What's going on? (laughs) Like, I was like, what is this? What is this? And then an Alter G, what does that do? I was so just shell-shocked. I worked with the football team, helped them out, and then um, just helped with whatever I could with the women's soccer team when they came back, like prior to their preseason. Um you were thrown into the fire at Mizzou. Mm -hmm. It was like, if you didn't do it right, they're going to, you're going to sit there and you're going to get there until you do it right. Um, Working with those big football guys, you know, I'll never forget the first day. Um, They were lining up to warm up and uh, big O-linemen, like SEC O-linemen. They're they're massive. I'm five foot six, if you guys don't know. And uh, he looks at me and he's like, hey. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you have a hair tie give it to me because <laughs> he had long hair and I was like sure because girls always have hair ties on their wrist that mm-hmm. is a staple and after that I was cool with the O-lineman cool I'll stick you, with the O-lineman yeah. I, you can eat me for lunch like, but I'll stick with you um, so it was really cool working with the male athletes like that especially football um, I just learned a lot about organization, how to present yourself. It was an interview every single day. And a unique experience at Mizzou was um, Coach Ivy uh, was there, and he had a he still has a great relationship with Coach Gazzotti, and that was when he was at Baylor. They switched their interns for a week. So I went down to Baylor for a week. Wow. And then the Baylor interns came up there. So I went down to Baylor. That was even more of an eye-opening experience. Um, definitely something to behold. I mean, I, I was, when I thought I was ready, I was like, no, I'm not even close to being ready for what I thought I was, this was going to be. Um, but you know, just learned a lot about myself being away from home. Um, and then, you know, finishing up my undergrad in that last fall semester. Uh, I actually didn't know where I was going to go. Applied to numerous GAs, didn't get them. 
uh, had kind of just resigned to going back home. And I was like, you know what? I'll do whatever I can. I'll work at this private gym and I'll, I can, my, one of my old teachers can help me be a substitute teacher. I'll do whatever I can until I can find a GA. And then I had moved all of my stuff back home and I get a call from Louisiana Monroe that they were like, Hey, we need, need to have a GA spot open. It's going to start in January. Would really like a female. You come highly recommended. So do you want it? I was like, uh, sure. So if you don't know when, where Monroe, Louisiana is, Duck Dynasty. <laughs> I have all these today. I love <laughs> so That's <this>. where that was. <laughs> and so I went down there and got my, you know, did my GA there working with soccer, softball, women's basketball, um, and also assisting with football. That was a whole different ballpark. So I went from like, yeah, Missouri, football, this is what it is, Power Five, you know, FBS, this is what it is. Louisiana Monroe at the time was the lowest budgeted FBS school. Oof. We tied our red bands together when they broke. Uh, that was yep. great. I learned like the epitome of do more with less. Like how can mm. you elicit this response with absolutely nothing, right? Do more with less. Um, but I also, like we didn't have a lot of interns. It was three GAs, an assistant and the director. And the director was great. He was a, he was like, listen, you, you have to get your teams in the weight room. I'm, I'll look at your programs if you have a problem with them, but like they're your teams. You have to, you do the conditioning, you do the agilities, you do this. Um, one thing that I think they don't prepare you for during your internships is talking with sport coaches. And this was the first mm. time I realized that. So when I went to the soccer coach and said, hey, I think we should do this. And like, this would be really cool for them. He looked at me and was like, no. <laughs> and you're like, what do you, what do you mean no? I'm the strength coach. You know, you have like this, like, you don't, you don't know anything about what I do. Like, you're not the strength coach. I'm the strength coach. Of course, I didn't say it to him. But mm -hmm. like, it was just hard. Like, how do you, nobody prepares you to talking with sport coaches. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a challenge. Eventually won him over, stayed in the weight room, all that good stuff. Yep. Um, and then a similar situation happened when I graduated. Didn't have a full-time job you know, applying to anything and everything out there, uh, you know, called everybody I could, you know, looking for a full-time job, don't really care where it is. I'm willing to move. And I get a call. Um, and this was also right at the time where the NCAA was like, you have to be a, have a accredited certification. So yep. just got my CSCS and I was like, okay, I'm certified. I checked that box. And I get a call out of the blue from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I answer it. And it was the director, Joe Walker, up there. And he was like, hey, got your resume. Um, Want to know we have an open position? You know that one? And I was like, sure. So ended up accepting that position. It was for track and field and swim and dive, two sports mm -hmm. I had never worked with at all. And I was like, okay. And my thought process behind that was that should be good for me. Because I have soccer, softball, basketball, and then I'll have swim and dive, track and field. Like, that's that's well-rounded because, you know, that that age-old question, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, in five mm -hmm. years, as a 24-year-old, I see myself as a director of Olympic sports. I'm 31. <laughs> I'm not there yet. But I thought that was a really good spot for me, you know, just having this well-rounded experience with all sports. Mm -hmm. So I get there. Oh, gosh. I was wholly unprepared. Um, track is a different beast. Swimming is a different beast. Uh -huh. And I had a lot of help. You know, the, the full-timers there were really helpful in, like, 
one presentation, you know, they're like, you don't have to be such a hard ass. You do not have to just be like, it's my way or the highway. Okay. <laughs> I don't know whether which way to be. <laughs> yeah, this is what I've learned. <laughs> so I uh, started off with track and field, swim and dive. Um, and I actually liked it. It was, it was different. You know, having to program for track and field, so many different events, so many different styles. Um, but the biggest thing I learned was that head coach at Cincinnati, incredibly difficult to work with, but in the best way. Mm. And looking back, I can say it's in the best way. As I was doing it, absolutely not. I like she made me question my intelligence, my capabilities every day. I was like, am I cut out for this? Is this how every coach is going to be? Like, Wow. Cause she pushed, she pushed me every single day. I would, she had to approve my programs if this is for her throwers. And, um, I mean, down to the, why are you doing 62% instead of 65? Why are we doing, um, a front squat for five reps instead of four reps? Like that specific, like she would grill me. And so I was like, okay, I have to be ready. I have to be good. And eventually it came down to, I, I learned more about her and I learned that she wasn't trying to be controlling. She just wanted to be a part of the conversation. You know, mm. she didn't want to be told this is what her athletes have to do. She wanted to have input as well. So I started doing that. I'm like, Hey, I think this would work in your experience, you know, cause she's had, I mean, more experience than I've been alive in coaching mm-hmm. track and field. So I'm like, okay, you, you know what you're talking about. So would this, has this worked for you? Um, swimming as well, you know, if you Google like swimming dry land, you get uh, squats, pull-ups, push-ups. And I was like, well, that's what we do in the weight room. So <laughs> how do I differentiate dry land from the weight room? Having to like do that is a whole different ballpark. You know, ultimately just don't ever run swimmers ever. No. There's so many different ways to build their, that cardio system out of the water. Just don't run them. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, through my five years there, I was, I also had tennis got um a little bit of uh uh, soccer right towards the end but it was it was growing you know having the transition of uh i had never been a part of that a football coach gets fired you know Mm. you always knew the football coach gets fired everybody gets fired type of thing but when i saw that happen to my friends i was just i was crushed like all these guys you know are great coaches and a new coach comes in and they're like we don't need you and i'm just that I knew it happened, but until it affects you, you're, you're, you don't know how to act. Yep. Um, but through that time, you know, it was a lot of professionalism and growth and, you know, I spent five years there and, um, you know, I learned that I have to disassociate work from life or it's just going to like consume you. Uh, so, you know, the hardest part about leaving Cincinnati was all the friends that I left that were not a part of Cincinnati. Like they were, Uh they had no, no clue about Cincinnati athletics. So when I hung out with them, I wasn't talking about work. I was talking about whatever. We'd go to Bengals game. We'd go to Reds games. We'd hang out and it would just be normal conversation. Like normal people have. Whereas in athletic departments, you just keep going around and around the circle of work, 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 and this, this, that. So that was hard, but ultimately it did prepare me to come here to wake forest um to have the composure to speak to administration i had to do lots of talks to administration at cincinnati on proposals that we wanted um Mm -hmm. talking to compliance because uh the head of compliance was also the sport admin for track and field and you know he was like hey what's going on with track and field you know how can i help you um that helped my growth and development so you know 
I became from a hot-headed 25-year-old to, you know, a 31-year-old, a, a you know, who still knows nothing. You know, I, I calmed yeah. down considerably because I realized, you know, just going in guns blazing with what you want to do is not the option for every single thing. Sure. Um, and then ultimately just, you know, really helped me with Wake Forest because Spot came up and, uh, you know, was track and field and women's soccer. And I'm like, well, I, I have them here. I have both, you know, yeah. so let's just see. Cause I, I, I believe that, you know, if you don't try, obviously you'll never get it, but if anything, it's a, it's a growth opportunity. So any feedback, mm-hmm. if you don't get it, um, helps you for the next spot. And yeah. so here I am, uh, had a great year with women's soccer this past fall mm-hmm. and, um, track and field still doing well. Cross country is doing well. Okay. Um, my cross country girls, uh, love to challenge the women's soccer team to pull-ups. <laughs> I love it. It's on social media. They're like, hey, it's your turn. I just did, like, this one cross-country girl I have can do 10 pull-ups with a 20-pound chain. Wow. <laughs> and she just does it for fun. It's not even programmed. She's like, I want to do pull-ups today. And I'm like, okay. The soccer team is just, like, sitting there like, I want to do that. Let me try it now. It's fun. It's, it's, it's a really good atmosphere down there. Um, we're all together here, so all of our weight rooms, basketball, football, and Olympics are literally, like, this close. Like, yeah. super close to each other. So That's it's awesome. definitely awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to jump back into parts of your story and have you uh, talk about just some of some of the things you've learned throughout all of this. So go way back you tore your acl uh you know you said you learned a lot and obviously working soccer working all these other sports you're gonna have injuries maybe it's not necessarily acl but you're gonna have kids with injuries so what did you take away from your own experience of that injury and then how do you apply that now with the kids that you kind of help with the return to play stuff so uh i've actually torn both of my acls Ooh. So, um, the first one, non-contact high school, second one contact spring before my senior year of college soccer. So, um, the last one definitely taught me the most, um, knowing that there was absolutely nothing I could do. I got hit. Uh, I got hit at fun day at weights. So we don't have fun days at weights in my, in my program. Oh boy. (laughs) Nope. But it just it, it taught me that one the weight room is a place where it can help you so how much time I spent in the weight room trying to get back um, you know it it humbles you a little bit uh, mm-hmm. you're I mean I see we have some girls here that's torn their ACLs and I relate to them so much when they're sitting on the sideline just itching to get back itching to do more itching to run itching to cut itching to pass and I'm just like hey guys you you don't want to be like me because I I hate, I hate to admit it. It's, it's a big regret in my life, but I did not do my rehab correctly. Um, Mm. it was since I did it in the spring, you know, by the time I was really like lifting heavier and running, it was summer and everybody was gone, but I stayed and it was just me in that, in that training room, just me. Mm -hmm. And that's a lonely place. And so like, I didn't try as hard. Um, everybody is going to go when I tell them I came back in five months, <laughs> and you know, um, I'm I'm paying for it now. I'm paying for it. I I I can't play soccer anymore. My knees are so bad. Uh, but it helped me 
really just relate to the athletes now in any injury. Like I know what it's like to have that really heartbreaking injury and just like just be crushed and just know. Um, but also because I relate to them, I, I, I also kind of know what questions to ask. Hey, does it hurt yeah. here? Does it hurt here? Does it hurt here? What if we did this? Um, and also with my um, experience as a strength coach in ACL, when they're doing their return to play, you know, our PT and our ATs are out there at practice, you know, and I'm out there at practice as well. And it's, it was a funny experience with a PT. They're like, hey, this girl looks great running. She has great gait. She, you know, this is great. And I'm like, yeah, her stride looks skate. I'm like, have you listened to it? And they're like, what? And I'm like, walk with me and listen. Dun 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 dun. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not great. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. how did you catch that? And I'm like, because you haven't heard me on a treadmill. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I sound like. <laughs> that's exactly how I sound when I run. That's why I know it's not great. So like, I, I help them with that aspect too. But I mean, having having that type of injury just it mentally. You know, you know, you, I didn't have any of the resources that the athletes have now, like mentally trying to go through. And I know here at Wake, we're having our athletes who are in that extended return to play see our sports psychologists just to check in with them how they're doing. Um, I mean, I think if I would have had that, I would have done my rehab a little bit differently. But you know, nobody really checked sure. in. Um, so that, so that's another thing. I check in. You know, how are you doing? How is this feeling? How is it going? Um, you know, like can you help me with this? You know, can you help me with that? You know, I ask them when we're doing running and practice, can you stand here on the line, hold your teammates accountable? You know, can you keep tally on how many reps we're doing? I always do my best to keep them involved. I'm always begging the ATs, PTs. Hey, can they get in the weight room? Well, they can't do anything. Can they do upper body in the weight room? Can they be with their team in the weight room in that atmosphere? Can you, can you do rehab in the weight room? If they're doing it at the same time, if it's just one-on-one, can you do it in the weight room? So they're around their team. So they don't feel as left out. Yeah. No, I think that's huge, and I hope that our listeners take away that you know what questions to ask. And so, yeah, it might be, does it hurt here? Does this hurt? Does that? But then at the same time, like you just said, you know, can you stand here and hold your teammates accountable? Can you stand here and count how many reps so that you you get those kids engaged and they feel like they're a part of the collective and not just by themselves standing on the sideline doing nothing? Or like you said they're in the athletic training room and just completely not around their teammates at all. Um, and that yep. can't feel good to be secluded. So, okay. You switched with the interns at Baylor. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people listening would hear cause and coach from, uh, Mizzou, Heidi. Pat Ivy yeah. were all from the same tree. So you would imagine same tree very similar programs probably you know run similarly maybe i don't know but you go down there and you're there for a week what all what kinds of things did you learn like about yourself and about just strength and conditioning in general while you're down there for one week i mean it's not really a long time but it is a long time when you think about it so that week um, just in, in different training styles with the football team at Baylor and Mizzou. Um, Baylor just got everything done in one go. Everybody's lifting at the same time. It is organized chaos in there. Music's loud. You're yelling. You're screaming. You're writing on their cards, making sure they're getting their reps in, watching them. Mizzou, same thing, but they had they didn't have like a set time to get their workout done as long as they got it done in the morning or the afternoon. Um, they... 
I mean, Baylor, it was really... I learned that I could not hold people to the same standard that I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they don't want it as bad as me doesn't mean they're less than. You know, I I wanted it bad there. I wanted, I wanted to be, you know, a number five uh, on a football strength staff. I was going to work my ass off and be there. And, you know, maybe some of the other interns were just like, this is a fun experience. This is cool. I'm at Baylor. I get to work with these. You know, I was like, I wanted to be there and I wanted to show every single coach there that they're going to remember my name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the biggest takeaway that I had from Baylor, and I, I tell it to interns now, I tell it to myself probably daily, you know, Candace Walls, a great, great female in our field. She mm-hmm. was talking to me one day and she was like, you need to chill the fuck out. i looked at her and i was laughing i was like laughing but really frustrated and it took me a little bit of time and i was like yeah you do need to chill out lauren like chill out like you are kind of like that you're gonna be good in this field you're you're gonna go far and it doesn't need to happen now you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 a it's a crock pot you gotta slow cook it so that's I mean awesome. that's that that's that's the biggest thing. Sometimes you just need to chill out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, she w- was talking to all of us, and she was like, "Hey, it's not your team. It's borrowed. Mm-hmm. You're borrowing that team. It's not your team." Um, so I take that as well. Like even though I want to say it's my team, and like I'm doing all of this, like no, it's it's a head coach's team. And ultimately, like you you express all of your knowledge, your opinions, your philosophies, but at the end of the day, it's what they want to do because they're the ones who are really judged by W's and L's. So wow. we just hope we can help that. Yeah, shout out to Candace. She was in uh, on season one with me on an episode. So Yeah, she's awesome. I love the, uh, it's like take a chill pill. Like it's going to happen. Yes. Just, just take a deep breath. It's okay. Um, yep. I can say that I'm probably at fault for that too at many, many moments throughout the day. And I have to look at myself and just say, Caitlin, calm the F down. Yeah. If I let that kind of stuff stress me out, like it's going to be a bad, bad day. So I might as well calm down. That's awesome. And then I also love the, it's not your team. Because I think that could be taken in a lot of ways, right? Like for interns... Mm-hmm. It's not your team in the weight room. It is that head strength coach's team. So you don't like yep. what the program is or the way that it's being implemented. It's not your team. Yep. You take what you want from the experience. You learn. And then just like you had said as well, it's not my team, women's soccer or softball here at Kent State. It is ultimately the head coaches. So when they yep. come to me with things that they want to see done, I think like you had talked about with your was it the throws coach where she just wanted mm-hmm. collaboration right like yeah coach i understand this is what you want this is how i see it from my strength and conditioning mind because again i'm not a soccer coach i'm not a softball coach or whatever sport you're working with how can we make both of our dreams our wishes kind of come true how can we kind of figure yeah. both of these things out right and at the end of the day if they say no no shot then okay well we're going to do what the head coach wants or we're just not going to do any of it at all and we're going to someone's going to get in trouble and it's probably going to be the strength coach so um you know another thing i learned from that was and i kind of take it with me never tell a head coach no hmm. like no 
I'm not going to do that or no, it can't be done. Now, there are circumstances. Uh, you want to run like 2120s in 15 seconds with a 30 second sprint back? No, no, absolutely not. But um, I can only, out of the five years I was at Cincinnati, there was only one time I flat out said no and she wasn't even done finishing the sentence. I was like, no. And it was ridiculous. I'm not going to mention what it was, but it was just one of those, like, <laughs> you can just imagine what a track coach might come up with. I was like, no, absolutely not. No. Um, I would always try whatever they were envisioning, whatever they are envisioning. I try to accomplish that. Um, that doesn't compromise my philosophy and my morals and my values. Uh, I believe that, um, you know, when we run the intermittent yo-yo test for women's soccer, it should be run exactly how Jens Bangsbo programmed it, you know, like it says at the beginning. Um, and some soccer coaches don't want it. And ultimately, if I if I look at it, I'm like, it doesn't hurt the, the girls. It doesn't hurt the team. It won't make it. It's not unsafe. Then I can express why I want it this way. But if they want it done that way, okay, fine. You know, I can just fill in the gaps later. You know, you never tell them no. Sure. Um, even... Uh, you know, that, that, that throws coach really wanted one RMs. I want to know one time what they can lift. And I'm like, coach, I can accomplish that with a three. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's less weight. It's it's force production over time. And, you know, it's a little bit safer. You know, just when I think about some of these guys, you know, they can squat 600 pounds. I'm like, I don't need, I don't, their back doesn't need that compressive force. Mm-hmm. Can we accomplish this at 495? Yeah, we can. And mm-hmm. we can get more force you know, and luckily that's something that all five years she never really pushed again because she yeah. saw the translation for it. You know, the only one RM we did was a power clean because I think anything other than that is it's, it's cardio. Sure. Um, but yeah, never tell a coach no. If you can find a way to do it, do it because they're yeah. going to, they're then probably more likely to take your idea. And that's kind of going back to pick your battles. You know, yeah. I always was like, if I say yes to these things, I know I really want to fight this later on. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can fight it not because I did these things, but it's also because they won't think I'm so combative, you yeah. know. Well, and I think the other part of all this, too, is the more collaboration you can have with these coaches. And even if it's assistant coaches or head coaches or whoever you're working with, maybe it's another strength coach. The ability to then build that connection with that person is going to make that work environment so much better because of the connection that you now have with them even if you butt heads right like even if you're like coach i don't agree with that like the one rm and the three rm yep you ultimately you earned her trust because of the connection that you built throughout these conversations and the ability to collaborate with her instead of just like you're saying saying flat out no i'm not doing that what kind of environment and you know kind of workplace stuff are you going to have to deal with when you just flat out tell people no all the time yep so you know i hope our listeners can take that and run with it and i mean heck put your own spin on it but make make those connections meaningful and purposeful so that that work environment can be awesome and ultimately the kids they benefit from it all right that's that's who it's for it's all it's, about yeah it's, it's all it's about how we benefit the kids yep check your ego pick your battles and do what's best for those kids um yep. Okay, so you talked about finding people and or just kind of your life outside of strength and conditioning. Can you give 
maybe some ways that you've accomplished this? Like, I, I immediately, right, the strength coach in me, will coach how in the world did you meet all these people that are not associated with the athletic department? Right? Because what are people going to say? Well, coach, you're at work at 6 a.m. and you're probably there until 6 p.m. or, what you know, whatever the time frames are. But, like, we now have apps where, I mean, yes, people primarily call them dating apps, but you can make friends on there. Um, I don't know if there's places that you would frequent or whatever it may be, like maybe that you have hobbies outside of strength and conditioning that you kind of took up and that's where you met all these people. Whatever you're willing to uh, give the listeners, but, you know, just if people are kind of looking for an out or something they can find outside of strength and conditioning to kind of help them with that balance, what would you recommend? So I found people two ways. And, and by two ways, I mean these are the ways that people are still my friends now, even though I moved. Uh-huh. Uh, first one was the dating app. Yep. Um, and it was just like, I'm new here. You know, I, I just want to I wanna go out and experience things, you know. Uh-huh. You can call them dates. You can call them whatever you want. But ultimately, oh. you know, the people that I went out with and, you know, conversed with became my friends. Um uh-huh. On the flip side of that, I, I said yes to everything. So, like, if someone <laughs> asked me, I said yes. Uh, and I also got a credit card at that time, so it was a pretty pretty rough uh, time. But mm-hmm. I don't regret it. I even say it now. Like, I do not regret saying yes to everything because I experienced so much uh, about the city. Because Cincinnati is a beautiful city. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And because of that, because of that massive amount of credit card debt I accumulated, I needed a second job. Because, uh. you know... Yep. So I needed a second job. And someone had told me, hey, this brewery is hiring. And I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. what for? Security guards. <laughs> I know, you're laughing right now. <laughs> what strength coach wouldn't make a great security guard? Yeah, so I just applied. And mind you, I applied like with my strength coach resume. I'm sure you guys know you have like a normal resume and a strength coach resume. Because that's the only resume I had. I don't. So I'm with you. That's the only one I, I got. Like, I was like, okay. So uh, I get brought in and he's like, I think all these letters after your name means you're smart. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a good assumption. And if that's what you want to take from it. Go for it. He, he he was like, I like hiring females because females get drunk sometimes. And when they go in the bathroom, it's a little bit awkward for a male to go in there. So he was like, I like it. And so I was like, okay, let's see how it goes. You know, paid $15 an hour. It was on nights and weekends, which was perfect for me. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, let's go. Um, I wasn't a fan of beer at the time, even though I worked at a brewery. Like I was like, I don't like beer. Yeah. So it was different. Um, but also with this brewery, I'm sure you know it being in Ohio, Rheingeist, um, it helped me tremendously professionally. And like a lot of people are going to be like, how did being a security guard help you be a better strength coach? Well, the security guards at this brewery were down on the street. So they were the first thing that you saw when you walked in. They were also the last thing you saw when you walked out. And one of the things that management said was, you have to be welcoming. Put a Ooh. smile on. Say, hey, how are you doing? Get, get, converse with people. You know, like, you cannot be a jerk, you know, if any, any way possible. Like, because they looked at the Yelp reviews. They looked at Facebook reviews. They were like, you have to be, you know, professional at all times. 
So it forced me from being that RBF. I, I have it. It's in my baby pictures. It's genetic. <laughs> so I had to smile and I had to be like, hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? What's going on? How are you doing? How are you guys doing today? What's your favorite beer? You know, like you had to converse with people. Uh-huh. And that started carrying over into work because, you know, my boss was like, you don't smile, Lauren. I'm like, this is my face. <laughs> how, what do you mean? And it just and it gives the the appearance that you're unwelcoming, that you hate, that you don't like your job. And from being at Rheingeist, I smiled more. I like pretty much you can put a date to like when I started at Rheingeist, give it a year. And I have so many more connections in the athletic department. I'm talking to academic advisors. I'm talking to SIDs. I'm talking to more people in compliance. I'm talking here. I'm talking there. I mean, people saw me and they came down. They're like, hey, can you write me a workout? Controversial. I did. I think it's very important to always, like if someone does, I always write them a workout. If they don't follow it, I then don't write them another one. But if they do, I can write it. I can, I'll write them another one. If they want me to take them through it, I only ask that they pay me if they don't show up. Ooh, I like that. I was like, if someone was like, how much do you charge? And I was like, I'm here. Like if you come, like if my last group's at five and you're coming at three, or if you're coming at lunchtime, I'm here. Like, I can yeah, I can do my workout while you're doing yours. If you don't show up and like I it's a waste of my time, then I'll mm-hmm. be like ten bucks. But um that's just something and I know it's very controversial. You know, we don't wanna give people our services for free because we have so much knowledge and experience. Yeah. But that I got introduced to a lot of people that way. Wow. Um and then also I gained an appreciation for beer. And people like beer. And Ryan Geist had a lot of it for their employees. So <laughs> I would come to work and give people six packs. So I made a lot Making of friends. friends. Yeah. Our, yeah. Uh, our Christmas party, I think I brought in like a lot of beer one time cause it was for free. There was a, yeah. it was a price limit, but if I get it for free, like it's free. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was very popular at that Christmas party. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I found friends that way and those friends didn't even know what I did. They were like, you, you're a trainer. Huh? This is what you do. And like, and so I talked to them about it. Um, you know, it was, it was different. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, um, that's something I miss about Cincinnati is is that place in particular because I worked there for a little over three years mm-hmm. um, and I met some incredible humans. I learned a lot about breweries in that process. Um, and, you know, I didn't mind being a security guard. You know, you will not imagine how many drunk guys listen to a female security guard. Sure that they're, they're like I'm I'm just like you have to get out and they just want to keep keep yelling at me I'm like you have to get out you <laughs> you have that to a male security guard and they probably want to get confrontational they wouldn't get confrontational with me yeah. so like they, they kind of like that too that I was just like an, an OBS type of person so yeah um but yeah I, I still think that's kind of interesting and weird that I grew professionally from having this part-time job well I think it's pretty cool like Ron McKeefrey talks about your unique selling point. And I almost feel like you could kind of put your own little spin on that. Like, that's your unique selling point. Yeah. Like, what makes you you? Well, I've been a security guard, and it's helped me with my job. Okay, talk to me about that. You're going right. to get a lot of crazy looks, but the answer that you give is just unbelievable. And that's exactly oh. what I feel like the unique selling point is. It's like yeah, it makes you special. And the things that you've learned about yourself from being a security guard has helped you ultimately better impact your student athletes which is exactly what we're in it for so that's a great time 
Okay, a few quick questions, and then uh, sure. I have some fun ones that I've introduced uh, into the podcast here recently. So, um, cool. just completely off the cuff. But the first one, a book that has positively shaped you. Uh, some people that know me might be shocked at this. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not a big book reader. Okay. I'm a book listener. Perfect. Um, I like... I like listening to the books because if the author does it, you can hear the inflections and the stress mm. and where they're, they're meant to be instead of just reading italics. Yep. Um, the Alchemist the, by Paulo Coelho. Um, it's just something that I listen to um, on my, like, six-hour drive home one Christmas. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is... Okay, wow. And it's actually become like a, a annual thing. Every time I drive to my mom for Christmas, wherever she wants to spend Christmas that year, I listen to The Alchemist. Um, you know, it, it it taught me that your purpose in life is con- continually evolving, and so does your dream. Always. Mm. Like, you can have this dream, that's going to evolve. You know, going back to what I said in five years, I want to be a director of Olympic sports. I'm not even close to being ready to be a director spot. Right? It continually evolves what I need to learn, what I need to know. Um, and then people. People help shape your path. Good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, um, the main character is swindled by someone that he thought was a friend. And it shaped him because he then had to find a job to make money to find his treasure but it taught him more things kind of like my thing with Ryan Geist you know yeah. but uh and then also your treasure maybe less than you thought it was something that you thought was the biggest thing and the best thing and this was going to be it well it's actually less um and I, I use the example of everybody that thinks that they want to be in power five power five big ACC school this this is where it's at this is the dream this is what I be let me tell you it's it's the same as, mm-hmm. as a mid-major, the you still have to program, right? You may have a little bit more gadgets, but, like, the job does not change mm-hmm. from, from mid-major to power five. So, yeah, your treasure, your dream may be really big when you see it from afar as you get closer. It's just about the same as you always thought it was. And then, um, in order to gain, sometimes you have to lose. Mm-hmm. Um you got to lose a, li- a little bit along the way to gain it in the long run. So I'm sure all strength coaches know you have to make a lot of sacrifices in this mm-hmm. job. There's a lot of times you can't go to weddings, can't go to birthdays, can't go to funerals. You, you have to sacrifice, but it helps you. Um, but then also, you know, something, you know, I'll, I'll tell the listeners and you, um, you know, my biggest loss was losing my dad, but mm. it, it, it softened me it's softened me considerably and I take that same empathy towards my athletes you know that that huge loss was a gain because my athletes see me as a human and not Mm -hmm. as just some stoic figure yeah Uh, so I mean that's that book you know I hear something different every year you know something else sticks out of me every single year but you know those are just the four main points that I really take away every time but there's always one part of the book that just sticks a little bit different with me that's super cool and First and foremost, your treasure may be less than you thought is that's gold. So that's going to yeah. be just stapled all over the place for this episode. Um, but, you know, the part about like losing and just making sure that your athletes know that you're a human, right? Like, because at the end yeah. of the day, they get to see you for an hour. 
twice, three times, four times, I don't know, however many times they get to see you, and then it's like, to them, they don't know you outside of the weight room. They don't know you in any other part of your life. And uh, I had a similar experience. I was engaged, and it was, you know, this wonderful thing, and it ended, and of course I'm heartbroken, and I felt like the world was ending. And uh, I had talked to the head coach, and I said, you know what? I need to tell my student athletes. A, I'm going to have a mental breakdown in the middle of the day, and these kids are going to catch me and be like, what's happening? Or B, I'm not going to be myself, because let's be 100% honest to everybody listening. These kids know us better than we'd like to think. And so when you show up all twisted and you're pissy about something going on in your life or you're upset or whatever the case may be, you have that our resting bitch face, right? Yep. They know. Oh, yeah. And so if you can't be, as one of my mentors has said, if you can't handle your business like a woman and be able to, to be an adult and have these conversations with these young adults, how are we going to teach them? And it's, it's okay to not be okay, but you need to make yep. sure that when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like I need to listen to the book now. I mean, I'm going to have enough driving at some point in my life um, or just here's an hour out of my day. Let me go listen to this book. So thank you. I'm going to put that on my list and I hope the listeners do as well. Okay. It's it's on Audible and and, uh, Jeremy Irons does it and he does all the different voices. So it's just like, it's just nice to listen to as well. Yeah. Like it's just... You can tell the difference in the characters. I don't know sure. why. I just I love that way of storytelling. Like I even yeah. listened to Glennon Doyle's Untamed. I listened to her say it. I had to listen yes. to it. That was it. She's great. She's great. Fabulous. Her Abby sister, the whole shebang. Everybody. Um, their podcast is great. If you've never listened to their podcast, as yeah, well. I got I got to listen to it. Yeah. Okay. Something interesting about yourself, people listening don't know. Uh, uh, I'm an amateur boxer. Ooh. And, and by Love amateur, that. I'm and by amateur, I mean like I've done one match and I won. <laughs> that was it. Well, it was, so you're uh, a winner. I'm a winner. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't going to lose. Yeah. Uh, it was it was because I worked at a brewery, another brewery in town, puts on a big boxing match in the summer. It's called the Punch Out. And the only people that can participate are those who are employed with the brewery. And so for a couple of years, they were like, Lauren, you should do it. Like, you're a strength coach. You should do it. Like, you'll be fine. Well, then one year, I was like, it was before COVID, so 2019. I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I trained for it. And, like, the, the premise of it is kind of like you only have, like, two months to train, right? Because it's just amateurs everywhere people just whatever so i did and i went to boxing every single day i went to this gym it was uh, owner one of my friends was the owner and he 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 kicked my ass every day he would have because <laughs> it's also a jujitsu gym and a kickboxing gym and he would have some of the female kickboxers like spar with me bloody noses bloody lips like i mean they would be oh. like you didn't protect your face sorry gotta teach you that <laughs> it, just be, it humbled me but like when i got in that ring um, like she, she had about one one round in her with me, you know. It was kind of even, but then after that, the athlete came out, and I was like, "No, yeah. you're going down." No yeah. chance. It was, I got this. It was so fun. It was it was so much fun, and that's uh, awesome. I wish I wish I had the time to do boxing again. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that was memorable. You know, it was um, the videos out there somewhere on YouTube that fight. Yep, check it out, people. Um, 
a call to action for our profession, so something our listeners can do after listening to our conversation today. That's a little tough. I think there's, <laughs> and, and I say this because I think there's so many things that, sure. that we still need to work on as a profession. Um, I think one thing, I mean, I have two things, but the big one, work-life balance. I don't think it'll ever happen, truly, like what some like nine to fivers have. But I mean, work-life balance in, we shouldn't feel guilty when we're not in the weight room. Uh Like if, for instance, today, I don't have practice in the afternoon. I'm going to leave after we're done recording. Uh I should not feel guilty that I'm not at my desk. I should not feel guilty that I'm not there for whatever may pop up. I don't need to be a desk guardian. Um, If you take your week off, because, you know, we only really get a week for Uh vacation. You shouldn't feel guilty that you're not there helping your four athletes that stayed over the summer. Um, Yep. If you wanted to take a a Friday, you should not feel guilty. Um, And I've learned that from being at Wake. You know, our staff here is incredible. You know, the the amount of people that'll be like, hey, I'll take your 5 p.m. cross-country group so you can go out and have date night because things like that, you know, and then I'll be like, I'll take your morning group so you can take your kids to school. Things like that. Like, you have to have that work-life balance. You know, and then the second thing, I think we have to do a better job of really not fighting, but explaining to admin to define or helping admin define how we're successful. Because how are we successful? What makes us a strength coach successful at the end of the year? We know coaches, it's W's and L's, you know, but mm-hmm. what makes us, you know, I, yeah. I was in a, uh, you could say round table with other people of the athletic department here. And I happened to be sitting next to coach Forbes, head men's basketball coach. And we were just chatting and, you know, how do you define success? And it was marketing. There was SIDs. We had athletic trainers, fundraising, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, if we raise more money, if we have more fan engagement, you know, if we're able to uh, report better uh, stats or whatever and stuff like that success. And I was like, guys, well, how do you measure a strength coach success? And it was just silence. And I was like, if I make a kid jump higher, run faster and squat more. Does that mean they can put the ball in the net? Coach Forbes kind of was like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, but I was successful. I made him run faster. Mm-hmm. Does I deserve a raise. Oh, but your team was 2-16. and 16. Mm-hmm. But I, I did this. But we didn't win. So it's yeah. like, where where is that? Yep. And it, it's helping. Like, it, it, it's never going to be a set thing. Like, this is how a strength coach is successful. And sure. the best the best way I heard it is from one of my mentors. And it was just having clear lines of communication. Hmm. Communicating to the head coach, regardless of if they agree with you, regardless of if you agree with them. But if you can communicate the why to what you're doing, you can be successful. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go into it, like injury reduction and whatnot. Sure. And then on, on the topic of admin, we, I think we need to get more of us in those leadership roles. And that's yeah. something that I know that the other strength coaches who have been in this field way longer than you and I have really been pushing for. Yep. And it's hard. You know, how does admin see strength coaches? Yep. Um, how can we get a seat at the table? How are we seeing more than just meatheads who lift weights? Um, Because we are student-facing. We're student-facing every single day. So we should be at that table talking about what's best for the student-athlete. Well, you guys heard it 
heard it here. Get after it, work-life balance, and then uh, getting admin and kind of how we're how we're measured on success. What does that look like yeah. for the strength coach? Um, okay, a couple rapid fire, um, just fun. Get to know you a little bit more on a personal level than Coach Lauren. Uh, if you weren't an SNC coach, what would you want to be doing? Strength conditioning defines my life. <laughs> I mean, wow. We're going to change um, that. <laughs> I know. Um, what would I want to be doing if I wasn't a strength coach? Helping. I mean, I mean, I think essentially our, our job comes from we help athletes achieve their goals. Yep. Um, I, uh, I would say I could see nurse helping. Nurse. Okay. I think I, like I think that. a nurse makes a makes a really good impact on on people's lives. Love that. Uh, if you were going to sit down at home and put the TV on, what would you watch? I love that you're just giggling. You're not even giving an answer. You're just chuckling. I know. I know. Because it's just, you, you know, can, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like trash TV. Okay, perfect. Like, like, like what I did, what I did last week was Love Is Blind. Coach, I've watched Love Is Blind as well. So uh, it's we just, can both it's watch so trash TV together. It's, it's trash because yeah. it's, it's mindless. You escape whatever world you're. I, I'm definitely putting on trash TV. Selling Sunset, Love Is Blind, The Circle, anything on Netflix like that. Yeah, yep. it just gets yep. it gets me. Love that. Um, and last but not least, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Love that. Flying. Flying. I want to go anywhere. <laughs> if I if I have a three day weekend, I want to be able to fly somewhere and just get away. Love Flying. That. That goes right with what your, about you. Uh, What's your superpower? Uh, I would want teleportation so I could go wherever I wanted at any point flying. and just okay. come back. Oh, I'm done at 3 o'clock. See you guys later. I'm going to go to Italy right quick. I'm going to hang out for the night. I'll be back tomorrow morning for my group. For sure. That, you know, just goes right with that work-life balance, be get, able to kind get, of go out and do things. Get some good pasta, pizza. <laughs> Love it been there twice it's been amazing yep of course so coach i have loved getting to know more about you and your experiences i know i got better hearing about do more with less uh take a chill pill it's going to be okay try to accomplish it uh without going against your values so even if a coach asks you to you know kind of impart in something in your program that maybe you're not necessarily a true believer in can you find a way to kind of make that thing happen without going against everything you stand for um the impact of your smile and you learned this when you worked at the brewery but golly the smile can go a long way and then last but not least i said it was going to be stapled all all over this your treasure may be less than you thought and i hope our listeners leveled up hearing all of this as well where can they go to find out more about you or contact you with any questions ah well uh my email pretty simple k-e-l-l-y-l at wfu.edu uh instagram coach underscore lauren underscore that's the same thing for twitter i'm probably more prevalent on instagram than any other social media perfect i'll put those in the show notes thank you so much for joining me today it has been a pleasure to have you on thank you so much KC's Conversations is produced by me. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the podcast wherever you choose to listen. If you like this episode or the podcast in general, be sure to rate and review it. 
If you aren't a fan, don't worry about it. 